0: Hard rails, as I talked to you about, um, I, I'm just going to give all the props for the sermon idea to uh, uh, Pastor Andy Stanley, who's the pastor of North, North Point Community Church in uh, the Atlanta area. And uh, we were given, as a district, as many district officials, we were given this uh, sermon series to listen to because um, you know we had a moral failure amongst one of our, our pastors, and so they wanted to remind us that we need to guard, have guardrails in our lives. And as I listened to each CD, I that man, we, I, you need to hear this as well, besides me. Uh, and so this morning, I'm finishing up the guardrail series. Uh, if, if you've missed it, you've been out of town or something like that, I believe all but the first one are, are on our, our website, so you go to www.rockvilleag.com, and we have, uh, they're all except the first one, the first one, we're still trying to get it, uh, there, was, there was some uh, technical problems, but there's two things, okay, I need you to do this morning, alright, three things. Number one, I need you to be ready to hear the word of God, and then secondly, I need you to Open your Bible. The first place we're going to turn, and you're going to want to put a marker in Daniel 1. I just want to read Daniel 1. eight. And this is kind of a 360, because before I started the uh, the series on that, I was talking about Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and how God blessed them. And, and so I want to read this Daniel 1. eight, And then in a few moments, keep your finger on Daniel 1, because we'll go back to, their, uh, go back to that in the message. And then I want you, to, we're going to look at 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10 in a moment. But right now, Daniel 1. eight if you have your Bible, Daniel 1.8. And if not, and if you're not there, you can just listen. But keep your finger or put a marker, or your tab, whatever that goes there. And then we'll, we'll do that. Let's pray. Father, again, let the Word of God, let it not just be something we hear. Let it be applied to our lives today. Because, God, you have wonderful, powerful plans for every person in this room to do great things through. And, Lord, you have set us apart as royal priesthoods. We're going to read in a moment. But, Lord, let us resolve in our hearts not to be defiled by this world system, but to be changed by the Gospel. And so, Lord, speak to us. Anoint me as your servant. I humble myself in your sight. Let me clearly speak your truth and your power. In Jesus, we pray. Amen. Daniel one eight says this, but Daniel resolved, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. We'll talk more about that, but Daniel resolved in his heart, he said, I am not going to defile myself with the portions of the world. Okay. Now, if you have your Bible and, and you want to turn back and keep your finger on 1st Daniel, put a marker there. I'm going to read out as 1st uh, Peter 2, 9 and 10, and, and you can just listen because I'm going to get right there. 1st Peter 2, 9 and 10, if you want to write this down, and this is not on your notes, but write it down. It says, but you... 1 Peter two 9 and 10 But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy... But now you have received mercy. So God is saying, you are now set apart. You're different. You're not supposed to be like the world. You're not supposed to act like them. You're not supposed to be like them. You are called. You're set apart. Okay, just say, I'm called. Come on, all of us now. I'm called. Every one of you are called by God. Just like the Harris. The Harris are missionaries. They're going to Northern Sudan. You're called to be a missionary where you work, where you live, where you go to school, with whoever. And so you're called. You're set apart. And the thing is, is the world is trying to pull us away from God all the time, right? We've talked about that. We've talked about this whole guardrail series, okay? So, so let's, let's, now if you want to. Put, go back to First Daniel. We're going to go back there in a moment, but I want to talk about this first. So we're finishing up guardrails, and uh, I believe that these these truths, if you apply what we've talked about the last few weeks, it will be very helpful in your life, in, in your job, in your relationships, with your spiritual walk, and everything. So everybody knows what a guardrail is, right? You're driving along the road, but you've seen the guardrails, right? They protect us from danger. Is that correct? Are you right? And so some places, you look at a guardrail, and you see, I actually could drive on the other side and sometimes guardrails are set back just a little bit so that it prevents you from driving where you think you can. Because, you know, how many of you, because you live in America, you feel you can do whatever you want? Okay, don't raise your hands. But you see, I notice in America that because we think, hey, I'm an American, we have no king, you know, we're, we're Americans. We do what we want to do when we want to do it. That's If you're Texas, that's kind of how you talk. Uh, and, and so, so a lot of times I know people, and I, I, I'm going to confess, we drive above the speed limit because we're Americans, right? We, we can do what we want. And so, so sometimes we think, you know, that, that guardrail, that's for Pastor Stan, that's for Pastor Dave. That guardrail is not for me. No, that guardrail is for you. You may be able to drive over there, but what happens is, remember, talking about, you're driving all of a sudden, you go off the edge, Right? And so the guardrail is there to protect you from going off the edge and having regrets and disaster. So we're talking about this, this. Here's what the Webster Dictionary says, and I think I have it up there. A railing guarding, usually against danger, especially a barrier placed along the edge of a highway at dangerous points. Another dictionary, and this is one Andy Stanley uses, is a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. And then for the series, what we've talked about, the next one is, um, hit the next one. Is it? And then the next one. There we go. Here it is. It says, guardrails in your life, they could be financial guardrails, spiritual guardrails, relational guardrails, money guardrails. It could be food guardrails. This is a guardrail is a personal standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience. It involves a conscience so that it triggers our sense of danger and brings a sense of guilt when we bump against it. Whenever we bump against these guardrails, we receive an internal warning. So again, guardrails, if you're driving your car and you're driving along, a guardrail, bump, you bump into it and you're going to have some damage, but it protects you from being destroyed, right? Okay, so you set up guardrails in your own life. Now, today I want to talk about the last one. We're going to bring it all back together today. And so sometimes we know on the other side of the guardrail, sometimes, come on, I'm going to confess with you, is stuff that we want to do, Right? Right? We want to eat that food. We want to drink that thing. We want to hang with those people. We want to live like that. And so we sometimes say, you know, especially because our world tells us, hey, you can do what you want. If it feels good, do it, right? Is that That's the mantra of our society today, right? If it feels good, do it. If you want to do it, then go ahead. There's no one going to judge you except for yourself. And for God. And of course, that guardrail that you, you surpass is going to get you in trouble. Because there, there are many people and I've talked to, and, and I, I, maybe I've shared the story with you. I, I was called to go to the hospital, and this man was dying of hepatitis. And, and he was dying. And, he, and I said, I, he was getting down to the end of his life. And I said, man, I said, you know what? i gotta, I got to cut to the chase. I said, I said, are you ready to meet God? He said, well, you know, uh, you know, me and God have an arrangement. I said, you got to make an arrangement now. Because he said, you know, I, I regret doing these drugs and now I have hepatitis, I'm going to die. And he says, that it felt good at the time, and the guy was probably a little bit older than me at the time, he was in his, his 40s, at the time I was still in my 30s, and, and he was dying, the doctor said, you just have probably days, maybe a couple of weeks of, of life left. And so of course, I led him to the Lord, he gave his life to the Lord, and he, 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 he regretted his lifestyle, because he said, I can do what I want, it's my body. And he regretted that. But let me tell you the good story about this, is God healed his body of this hepatitis and he started going to a local church and as far as I know and I've mentioned this before I think I believe he's still alive today but you see God can redeem what you and I have abused amen that's the good story but some of us we think I can do what I want I can stay up late I can, I can watch that stuff in the internet I can be with those kind of people I can drink as much I can toke as much as I want I can smoke as much as I want I can eat what I want pastor it's none of your business that's true except for I love you and I'm a pastor and I'm called by God to help you and I To live within certain guardrails because God has a great plan for your life. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. You are a royal priesthood called out of the world system. Set apart. Amen? To declare God's goodness to help other people. Amen? So with that, waiting on the other side of the guardrail something that we like to do. It might be unhealthy. It might be inappropriate. It might be an an addiction. But it makes us wonder, why should I stay over here when everyone else that I know is having fun? Why should I still be here when, when they're getting they're getting ahead of life and I'm just making it. I'm barely making it. But they're lying and they're cheating and they're making all kinds of money and I'm just barely struggling here. Why can't I do that? Let's talk about that this morning, okay? Let's talk about this tension. So let's, number one is the big pushback. Write that down. The big pushback. And then letter A, there, there's something happening. You're saying, listen man, I, you know what pastor? I, I, this real search, it's been good and I enjoyed it. In fact, in fact, number one letter A is, 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 uh, I hope my family's listening. Man, I hope my wife has been listening to this sermon series because she needs this. Or I hope, I hope brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so have been listening because they really need this guardrail series. You know what? My kids need this guardrail series. My, my worker, my boss needs this guardrail series. In fact, I'm going to get a CD so they will listen to this series. Man, it's just, it's good common sense. Okay, so that's what some of us are thinking, right? But here's the thing. Letter B, some of us say, you know That's, that's just not for me though. That's great for Pastor Stan and, and Pastor Dave, and that's good for some of the board members and some of the church people, but th- those guardrails, they're not really for me. I mean, I agree that, that somewhere on the other side of that guardrail, there's probably some damage and some danger, but you know what, I just, I'm just not going to do that. And so this morning, I, I want to talk to you about saying, you know what, maybe you should reconsider your life. And you need to say, you know, maybe I do need to set some guardrails up protect me so that I don't have regrets so that I don't end up in the ditch, so I don't end up in destruction, so I don't end up in the hospital dying of some disease because I thought I could do what I wanted to do. You know, so you know what? I, it, it makes sense, but I, I, I don't want to be a good Christian. I don't want to be a good example. I just want to make more money. There's nothing wrong with making money. You know, I don't want to give. I want to buy. I don't want to be wise and prudent. I want to date him. I want to date her. I, you know what? I don't want to be fiscally responsible. I want, to, I want to live there. I want to lease that car. You know what? I don't want to study. I want an A. And there's a way for me to get A without studying. You see, that's what our world is saying to us, right? And if you, are, you and I are not careful, we will fall into that same trap. And we'll say, you know, everyone else is doing it. You remember that? Some of you parents, remember parents, some of you growing up as a kid, remember you'd always say, hey, everyone else is doing it. My mom and you'll say, hey, if everyone was jumping off a cliff, you would just go with them, right? And we always hear that what everyone else is doing, it's okay. But you know what? Sometimes majority is not always right. Are you following me? Majority is not always right. Okay. So so if they're going off a, over over the cliff, it doesn't make it right. It's destructive. Amen. You're kind of quiet on me today. You're enjoying the air conditioner after the heat's been out, the heat's been like burning your brain, right? Okay. So, you could say, you know, Pastor, I I can't argue with the logic of these guardrails. It's good stuff. But it's just, I feel like I'm missing out. I don't want to miss out. Well, let's talk a little bit more about how to help you not feel like you're missing out. So, number two, guardrails. Listen to this. Guardrails will not erase the temptation. Guardrails will not erase the temptation that you feel. Okay? Letter A, in fact, write this down. The temptation will never go away. Regardless if you have guardrails or not, the tension that you will feel to pull you off is going to be the... Some of you aren't saying, you know what, okay, forget it. So if, if it's bad, I'm just going to, I'm going to erase all the guardrails. That way I'll just do it and I won't feel guilty. Let me, let me tell you what, you're going to still feel guilty even if you try to erase the guidelines. Even though society tells us that, you know, the Bible's old, it's old-fashioned and it doesn't apply to your lives. You can say that all you want, but you're still going to know deep inside that this is, this is something I shouldn't be doing or that's a place I shouldn't hang out, Right? you understand what I'm saying? You're kind of quiet. You're kind of like, I need your help. I'm an interactive preacher. I need your help. Alright? So, if you decide to go off a diet and just eat what you want, it will not remove the temptation to eat what you want say, well, well, that was the whole plan. What I'm saying is you're going to just eat and eat and eat and you're going to eat yourself into oblivion or you're going to charge and charge and charge yourself into debt or you're going to get stoned and stoned or you're going to drink or you're going to hang on the wrong people and you say, you know what, I, I erased the, the guardrail so I should feel fine doing that. But the problem is that guardrail, that tension is going to still be there. That temptation is still going to be there. Does that make sense? Are you still? Let me, let me just say it this way then. If you decide to lease a car that you can't afford, and Andy Stanley uses this example, and you just go ahead and lease a car that you can't afford, that temptation is still going to be there. In fact, in 24 months or 36 months, you're going to be tempted again to lease another car that you can't afford. Does that make sense? Are you following me? So, so let me put it this way. If, if you decide because you're a married person and you know it's wrong to have a boyfriend, a girlfriend on the side, you say, you know what, I'm going to erase that guide, that guardrail, but I'm going to go ahead and have a girlfriend, a boyfriend on the side, that's not going to erase that tension. It's still That temptation is going to always be there in your life if that's something you've opened up. Does that make sense? So we all agree that somewhere out there, there are some lines that should not be crossed. And the temptation is not going to go away even if you cross that line or you white it out, you erase it, you take the guardrails out. So I don't, I'm not going to have guardrails because I'm going to live life to its fullest. Even if you do that, the tension is still going to be there in your life. Does that make sense? The, the temptation will still be there. So in fact, letter B, here's what happens is the temptation, here's where your temptation begins. Wherever you decide to put on the brakes, wherever you say, okay, that's it, I'm, not going, to, I'm going to stop eating that kind of food. I'm going to stop hanging around with these people. I'm going to stop drinking that thing. I'm going to stop doing that thing. Wherever you put the brakes on, does it, are you following me? That's where your temptation begins. That makes sense. So many of you told. I know many of you kind of changed. Remember, I told some of you that um, I, I will not personally buy Oreo cookies. Remember, I love Oreo cookies, but they are a bad temptation for me. Because if, in fact, if you give me a bag of Oreo cookies as a gift, I'm going to give them back to you. I'm going to say thank you very much. But this is a bad temptation for me. Because what happens is I, I will take them home, and my family will not see one of them. I will eat every one of them. So for me, I put a guardrail up. To, my guardrails don't even purchase Oreo cookies. I've set it back so that uh, that I don't even think about Because I mean, I do every once in a while. Oh man, an Oreo cookie would be really good. A thick glass of milk right now. I could have a whole bag. Isn't that awesome? It's nasty. It'll kill me. But I sure enjoy it. And so what I'm saying is, where I put that brake on is my temptation. And so where you put that brake on, wherever that thing that you're dealing with on the other side of that guardrail, that's where the temptation begins. Does that make sense? Okay? And so being tempted is not a sin. But it's when we begin to think about how we can do this, how we begin to work on this. And so so, so, wherever you put the brakes on, that's where your temptation begins. And it'll never go away. You say, well, again, well Pastor, I just refuse to have guardrails. That does not eliminate the temptation. That just weakens your resolve to fight that temptation. That makes sense. You can deny. It. I don't. I don't have a problem with that. Go, 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 go. You know, I, I, I don't have a problem with that. You can deny it all you want, but you're just weakening your resolve. And so the temptation is still there, but now you've just you, you've now just drawn the battle line closer to it. You're going to fall into it a lot sooner because you you've maybe erased the guardrail. You've put your guardrail right on the edge. And and. and God's wisdom is telling us, "Hey, you can enjoy a lot of things in life, but but just put some guardrails up because God has a great plan for your life." And so, so the temptation begins where you put the brakes on. Okay? Let us see, check this out. Your our appetites, your appetite are, are never satisfied. Your appetites, my appetite is never finally and fully satisfied. How many of you have eaten only one meal in your life? None of us, right? I mean, every time you feed yourself, it's a good thing, right? I enjoy, I mean, I love to eat. I, I hope I never lose that habit of eating. But you see, we never eat a meal to end all meals. We never eat one dessert to be the last dessert in our lives, Right? Right? You never purchase a car to be the last car that you ever purchase. You never have a kiss to end all kisses. The more, you, In fact, the more you feed an appetite, the more it grows. Did you know that? The more you feed an appetite, the more it grows. Come on, say that with me. The more I feed an appetite, the more it grows. So, so when you know I should be doing this, but the more you feed it, guess what happens? You want more. You want more of it. You decide, I've got to have more because you're feeding that appetite. In fact, I'm not here. I'm not here to judge anyone. But the more you weigh, the hungrier you feel. The more you dabble with stuff you shouldn't, the hungrier. The more you think about that, the more you desire that. And this is true of every—not just food. True of every area of life. Financially, it's a death thing. A relationship, alcohol, drugs, hanging out with the wrong crowd, whatever. Lying at work or trying to get ahead and trying to have loose ethics. Whatever you feed grows in your life, right? And so you've got to have some guardrails in your life. You've got to set some things up. And so I want to talk about this just for a few minutes. I want you to say, I need God's help. You see, because guardrail guardrails help us to move back away from that tension. It just sets it so that you can, you can stay back and have a manageable guardrail to keep you out of the ditch. Because you remember I told you, the world system baits us to the edge and they bait us and they say, come on, come on, this, it, it feels good. And once you and I fall into that, then they condemn us. They chastise us. You're, you call yourself a Christian? Oh, gross! You did that. Oh, you've got that kind of debt. You're irresponsible. Oh, you're oh you cheated to get an A. Oh, no one's going to hire you. Do you see what I'm saying? The world system is baiting you. Come, come on, do it, do it. And once you cross that line, then they condemn you and they chastise you. And of course, the devil has a heyday with your life. So you say, letter D, letter D. It, hey, Pastor Stan, it's my life or it's it's your life. It's my life, and I want to have fun. That's right, you. But let me just say this: Don't be deceived. You're going to reap what you sow. You're going to reap what you sow. Amen? In fact, the scripture is very clear. Galatians 6, 7 and 8. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature they will reap destruction. And the one who sows to please the spirit from that the spirit will reap eternal life. So you're going you're gonna to get out of life what you put into it. I don't know, understand. I don't know why I keep following this temptation because you're feeding it. Stop feeding it. Amen? Say, God, help me to put a guardrail farther back so that I'm not falling to that every time. Amen? Hey, Pastor, I, this is my life. I can do what I want. That's right. It's your life, and you can destroy it or you can save it. It's your choice. Your choice today. What you want to do with your life, it is yours. It's either your life to ruin or your life to enjoy. I'm, I'm praying that you would set your guardrails back so that you can resist these temptations. Amen? Because when you do that, you win. Now let me talk about Daniel for a few moments, okay? Let's talk about Daniel and and him being in Babylon. So let me tell you about when Daniel was taken captive with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in about 605 BC, Israel and Judah, specifically Judah and Jerusalem, were, were the people of Jerusalem and Judah were taken captive by King Nebuchadnezzar. Okay. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar came down. In fact, for Daniel one one through five, let's just read this, and then I'll talk about the background of this. Daniel one one through five. We're going to read this, talking about Daniel, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and and King Nebuchadnezzar, and a couple other people. Daniel chapter one one through five says, "In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand." along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to, to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Aspenaz, chief of the, of the court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family, the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the, of the Babylonians Verse 5, the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years and after they were to, be, they were to enter into the king's service. Now let me tell you what happened. When, when, when Nebuchadnezzar would send his troops into a city, he would take the city and they would destroy the city. But what he would do was he would take the royalty, he would take the officials, he would take them captive and he would leave the poorest of poor people in the town and they, or they would destroy the, the, the kingdom he would take these people and he would import them back to Babylon. In fact, Babylon is still exists, the city of Babylon still exists in what we call today modern-day Iraq. In fact, Saddam Hussein wanted to be the next Nebuchadnezzar. And so, so what happened, the Babylonians, they were very it was a very ingenious thing that they did. And so whenever the Babylonians conquered a people, they would take the best of the best, the royalty, because typically the royalty were the best, they were the best looking, they were the, the most educated, they, they had the best teeth, they had the best hair, I mean, they just had the best life. So, so Nebuchadnezzar would take them... And put him in this training program, this three-year training program. I mean, it, was, it was like this was like a free master's program, or a free doctorate program. He would take them, they would feed them the best of the food, and so he would take them, and, and, and slowly he would begin to strip away their culture, slowly begin to pull them out of, their, out of their, their worship of whatever faith they had, and he began to change them into Babylonians. And over time, they would get to the point that they wouldn't realize they were now Babylonian through and through. And so it was so ingenious that he would then sometimes send some of these people back into their home country to convert their other people. This was the, it was an ingenious plan. So in, in 605 B.C., he comes and he, does, he starts doing this with the children of Israel, with the children of Judah. Okay? So here it is, letter A. Babylonian, through and through, we just read about what happened to Jerusalem. We read about what happened. So it was a subtle and it was an appealing change. I mean, think about this. You're, you're being taken captive by an army. You've seen your family destroyed or you've seen your, your neighbors destroyed and you think, oh myself, they're going to kill us out in the desert. They're just going to drop us off out there to starve. Or we're going to go back to Babylon and we're going to work in the copper mines or we're going to, we're going to just be servants or we're going to rot in the prison. But what happened is, is they get in and they, they come in and they meet the king and, they, and they're, they're told by Asher, all right, you're going to come in, we're going to train you in our literature, we're going to make you, this is, the, this is like the best, Thing you can ever, and so the captors were probably high five and said all right wow we're gonna live and the, in fact you're gonna eat the food off the king's table I mean can you imagine the king's table that's awesome Chipotle roast beef Chick-fil-A shakes I mean I'm talking like fish tacos I mean that's just stuff I like okay pizza Korean food just that's awesome man I could eat Korean food all day long and so so everything was and they and so they're like wow this is awesome we're not gonna be slaves. And then it says, and when you finish the program, you're going to work for the king and you're going to live this good life. You're going to ride the best chariot. You're going to have the best horses. You're going to live in in the palace. You're going to to represent the king and you're going to live this... So they're like, dude, this is awesome. We're not going to die. But you see, Daniel, he saw through that because you see, Daniel was a very smart and wise young man. He was only a teenager, probably late teens, early twenties. And he saw through this and he said, you know what? This is appealing, but I see something. I I see that this is not really something that I should be doing. He saw what the Babylonians were doing. So in fact, the next part is this, seeing the end game. You see, Daniel was wise enough. He said, I know what they're doing. Slowly, 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 they're stripping away everything that I hold near and dear to my heart. He saw what the Babylonians were doing. Daniel saw the whole plan. Hey, they shaved his head. They pierced his ear. They gave him new clothes. They even gave him a new name. In fact, his name reflected one of their gods. In fact, all of his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those those were their Babylonian names. They all represented their gods, their multiple gods. They were a pantheistic society, meaning they had multiple gods. And so Daniel realized that slowly, 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 the, the Babylonian empire and traditions and religions, were they were drawing that out of him by slowly taking him and putting him into their culture. And you see, he had the wisdom, he had the spiritual aptitude to realize, you know what? I've got to put a break on this. I've got to put a line in the sand somewhere. Because if I don't, one of these days I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be Babylonian through and through. And I'm going to deny the God that I once served. And I'm going to now be worshipping multiple gods. Now I'm going to, I'm going to be their missionaries. If, I, if I'm not careful, I'm going to begin to export this faith that I don't even believe in right now. And he would put everything that was important in him. He would have put it in his past. And you see, Daniel recognized something that you and I sometimes we fail to see because we are lured by the world system. In the daily ebb and flow every day, and I see it I see it every day and when I turn on the TV, I see it with my own kids. The world is drawing my kids away from God. Every time I turn on the internet, it's trying to draw me away from God. Do you see what I'm saying? Slowly, slowly, slowly it's pulling me away from God. And it's trying to make me Babylonian through and through. That what what at one time was was a sin to, to the church now is accepted. To what was one time a guardrail in my life, now I don't even have a guardrail there because the Babylonian empire, the world system, is slowly drawing me away from God. And church, God is calling us to wake up. He's not asking you to be weird. He's not asking you to have funky hairdos and, and dresses that go all the way down and wear black suits and Carry a 50-pound King James Bible. He's not asking for that. He's asking you to stay close to Him and don't fall into the ways of the Lord because he's slowly, slowly they're pulling us away from our God. And you and I need to see the end game. In fact, Romans 12, 1 and 2, and I like how it says in the message, this is a paraphrase, do I have it? Listen to this. Listen to how the, what, what Eugene Peterson says. Romans 12:1 and 2 says, do not be conformed to the world. It says this, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Listen to this, verse 2. Don't become as well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Do you see what I'm saying? They're brainwashing us. They're pulling us away from God. Instead, fix your attention to, on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you. Quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of, of immaturity. God brings the best out of you. Develops His well-informed maturity in you. So the scripture in Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Don't conform to the world. Use your mind. Let your spirit be awake. Offer yourselves to God because through that you'll have life. You see this? So let her see. Write this down. Compromise. Listen. Compromise doesn't erase the temptation. Daniel realized that compromise did not erase the temptation. He realized it only is as I've been talking about. It only weakens your resolve. Well, if I if I just give in to it, I will not be tempted anymore. Giving in again only welcome, weakens your resolve. Because listen, if you cheat once, it's easier to cheat twice, right? If you lie once, it's a lot easier. That that first cigarette, the second cigarette's a lot easier, right? That second drink is easier, right? That second toke, that third pill is easier, right? You see, if I just erase that, then it won't be a temptation. No, every time you do it, you just weaken your resolve. And that's what the world is doing. They're trying to beat you down. Hey, everyone else is doing it. Why not you do it? Hey, if you you feel good, you're going to just... Come on now. Don't be strange. Be like us. We, We don't hate you. We love you. And that's what the world's saying. They're wooing you. The Babylonian world system is pulling us away from God. you hear what I'm saying? And compromise doesn't erase the temptation. And you see, Daniel saw what was happening. He saw they they changed his clothes. They changed his habits. They changed his name. They changed his schedule. And he said, if I don't draw a line in the sand, I'm going to be Babylonian. I'm I'm going to denounce God one day. And friends, as your pastor, because I love you, I'm asking you to wake up and see what the world is doing to you. Again, I'm not saying you have to be strange. I'm just saying don't. you don't have to participate in the, in the things that the world calls fun or destructive. Amen? You see, Daniel said, if it doesn't stop, I'm going to turn my back on God. In fact, here's what the Scripture says, and I'm going to go on, okay? Don't be in a hurry. Don't be in a rush, because it's nice and cool in here. 1 John 2, 15 seventeen. because you have to hear the Word of God. Here's what the Word says. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, listen to this. The love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the craving of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has, do- has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. You see, the world is trying to woo you, and we're like, well, man, I'm never going to get ahead. And the world say, come on, come on. But God is saying, if you do that, you're not going to get ahead. And he says, in fact, that stuff's just going to pass away. How many of you remember bell-bottom jeans? Remember that? Do you remember the leisure suits in the back in the '70s? Do you remember the, some of you remember the big Cadillacs with the fins? Some of you remember those things? The Pawnee, you remember the big cars? Remember when they actually had a bumper on them out of metal? Remember those things? They're gone now. Collector's items. But you see, this world and its system just passes, it fades away. What's important today, tomorrow is not going to be as important. But the problem is if we sell our souls to that, we're going to be sucked up into it and we're going to be destroyed by it. And Daniel knew, he says, if I don't put a line in the sand, if I don't put some guardrails up, I'm going to be in trouble. Daniel 1, 8 and 9 says this again. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Verse 9, now God had caused caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. So letter A, purpose in your heart. Write that down. Purpose in your heart. Daniel made up his mind. He said, enough is enough. That's as far as you're going to take me. You can, again, you can, you can make me wear different clothes. You can change my name. But I'm not going to be like the world system. That's it. He resolved in his heart. I'm asking you to have some spiritual intestinal fortitude. And say, this is it. I'm not, I don't care if they laugh at me. I don't care if they mock me. I don't care. Hey, aren't you going to go drinking with us? I'm done with that. Hey, we're going to go get stoned. You want, I'm done with that. Hey, we're going to make some money. The easy way. I'm done with that you guys got to say, I, I don't want to be like the world because I don't want to be over in the ditch. You see, you and I must gain this resolve in our lives. And Daniel purposed start, I'm not going to eat this food, even, even though this is the king's food. In fact, it, it, he said to me, it, it's like, I'm going to defile us. Can you imagine that? This is, the, this is the king's food. Whoa, 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 who do you think you are? I mean, there are people in this world dying. I mean, you've you heard that, right? And this is the king's food and you don't want to eat it? Well, aren't you someone special? Holier than thou? You think you're better than us? Does that sound familiar? You're like, whoa, 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 come on. Tell, I don't want to do that. Whoa, you think you're better than us? You think you're my judge? And, and you, your response, I'm not your judge, but I'm going to please God one day. I'm going to stand before Him because He's my judge. And I don't want to answer to you. And, I, and, and he, I'm just going to set my life and I want to follow Him. So Daniel said, listen, I don't want to defile myself with this stuff. He made up his mind. He said, we're not going to... And, and it could be a lot of things. Maybe the food wasn't kosher because Daniel was, was a Jewish man and he, he followed the Mosaic laws and, and standards. Maybe it was because the, they said a lot of times that the food on the Babylonian uh, king's table was offered to their many gods, they multiple gods. So he said, I can't defile myself because that's forbidden in the Bible as well. But whatever it was, Daniel said, I'm going to put a guardrail right here. This is it. And you see, you and I must gain this kind of resolve that say, I don't care what the world says to us, I don't care how much pressure they put on me, this is the line. In fact, let her be, write your own story. Write this down, write your own story. Daniel made up his mind. Listen to this. Daniel made up his mind before he even knew the end of the story. In fact, Daniel made up his mind before he even read the book of Daniel. Because in fact, you and I, we read the story, we know what happened. Daniel didn't know exactly. He wrote his own history. He said, I'm going to draw a line in the sand because I see where this is going. And you see, you can do the same thing. If you say, I'm going to draw a line in the sand, I'm going to put this guard right here. I don't care what you guys do. Do what you want. It's your life. But that's not for me. Because Daniel saw where that was leading. And you can see where that road is going. And you say, you know what? I'm going to draw a line in the sand right here and I'm not going to go that way because I want to live for God and I want God to do great things in my life. Amen? You see, Daniel made a decision because he could predict the end of his story. He could say, I don't want to end up in the ditch. I'm going to end up straight down here following God. So he made up his mind. I'm asking you, make up your mind this morning. Amen? Stop, stop having the Republicans telling you what you believe. Stop having the Democrats telling you what you believe. Stop having the world telling you what you believe. You need to get the Bible out and begin to believe it if that's what you say. Amen? If you, I believe God and you need to stand for His things. Amen? Let God help you out. Form your own faith. I'm not forcing you. I I began to read the Bible when I was young and I began to begin to believe it on my own. And I gave my life to Christ on my own volition at the age of twelve. No one forced me. And I still hold to this truth, and I still want to know this truth, and I believe this Bible is true. I don't care what the world says about it. I don't care what they say about me. I want to stand before God because one day I am going to stand before God. And He's going to ask me how I live my life according to His standard, not what the world says. And so some of you need to get some intestinal fortitude. You need to get some resolve. Say, I don't care what you say about me. I'm going to stand for God and with God. Amen? And so I'm asking you to make up your mind. In fact, let her see. Your guardrails will direct your future. Your guardrails will direct your future. Daniel 1.9 says this. Now God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. Now God. You see, a lot of times you and I, as we evaluate our guardrails, we forget about the now God part. You see, Daniel put that in his factor. He said, okay, with this I'm going to put the now God part. You see, Daniel was a young man. He was away from home. He just had a handful of his friends and there was a lot of pressure to compromise. But they chose not to compromise because they knew, they knew that it said in the Word of God that if you honor God, God will honor you. He knew that. Because the Jewish custom was to teach your children from an early age, the parents' job, not the pastor's job, not the Levite's job, not the priest's job. The parents' job was to teach their kids the Scriptures. And so they knew Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They knew that the Word said that if you honor God, God will honor you. So that was in their mind. It was in their spirit. And so they said, I'm not going to cross that line. I'm not going to walk away from God. And he said, the now God factor is there. Now God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. As you evaluate your guardrails, well, they're going to make fun of me. They're going to, my my co-workers are going to call me goody-goody because I'm not going to bend the truth for our clients anymore. You see, Daniel factored in the now God part. And the now God part, listen to this, the now God part is the part that God used to bless Daniel. You see, the world is wooing us all the time. We think, if I just do like them, I'll be like them. And God says, no. If you honor me, I will honor you. The now God part. You see, Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they faced temptation, they faced trials, they faced persecution, but God now blessed them. Because of his resolve, his decision not to be defiled by the things of the world, God used that not only to guard him, but to direct his life. You see, God wants to use guardrails roads not just to guard you from danger, but to direct your life into life eternal. To have a blessed life. To have a prosperous life in every aspect of your life. You see, the world's going to sell you a short-changed thing. You know, it's always the get-rich-quick schemes, right? That cause trouble. And God's saying, you know, there's a steady road, just follow this road, and it leads to eternal life, it leads to many blessings. And Daniel said, we're going to follow this road, I'm going to follow this road, I don't care. In fact, they could have said, we're going to chop your head off. He said, like, "I'm resolved. I'm not going to defile myself. I'm not going to do what the world does." Often we think, "Man, if I just do what everyone else does, I'm going to get ahead." That's not true. Remember that old saying: each group of kids, cheaters never what? Come on, cheaters never what? You don't prosper. Cheating on God's standards, you're not going to prosper." Amen. Letter D. God will bless you for standing with Him. I know this is going to be a little long and we're going a little late and that's fine, but you've got to hear what God because we're going to have an all the time. Daniel 1, 11-20. I'm, I'm going to read part of this. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief priests had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for ten days. And check this out, because they took a stand for God. Let's Look at this. Verse 15, at the end of the ten days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard, listen, the guard took away their choice food and wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. Now, check this out. Verse 17, look what God does because they stood for God and with God. Verse 17, to these four young men God gave... Listen. God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. In fact, God even blessed them better than the world's master or, or or PhD program. Do you see what I'm saying? God gave them better ability. Isn't that awesome? Come on, yes, it is. At the end, verse eighteen. At the end of the time, by the king, said by the king to bring them in. The chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked to them with them and found that that none found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them. He found them, listen, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and chanters in his whole kingdom. Because Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, now God, we're going to honor God, God blessed them beyond what the world system could bless them. Friends, the world is trying to draw us out. Slowly, 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 it's trying to make us like them, but you got to resist that. You got to say, "I don't care what the world says. I don't care. I don't care if they have blingage and babes and bucks. I don't care because when I honor God, I'm going to be multiplied with blessings beyond all measure." Amen. Do you see this? God's prosperity is a lot better than the world's prosperity, which lasts for a moment, and you end up in the ditch. You end up places you don't want to be, but God doesn't put you in places. He puts you in places that are awesome. You see, God will not only protect you, your future, and from future regrets, but it directs you to bless your life and to bless others. Proverbs 11.3 says, The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. God wants to guide you and I into multiple blessings. But for this to happen, listen, for this to happen, for you to be blessed by God, listen to me, you have to make up your mind whom you're going to serve today. You've got to make up your mind. I'm going to resolve to follow God or am I going to be like the world system? It's tempting. We're all tempted by it every day, but you've got to say, I don't want to be like that. I'm not going to defile myself with that. I'm going to become what God wants me to be. Would you stand with me this morning? Please don't leave. I want to pray with you. Please don't rush off because God wants to do something in your life. You say, Pastor, I've blown it, man. I'm in the ditch right now. Let me tell you, God can restore you. Remember I told you about that man who was dying in the hospital because of hepatitis. God healed him. The moment he gave his life to Jesus, just a week after that, the doctor said, you're healed. You say, man, Pastor, you don't understand. I've done all this stuff. It doesn't matter. God can renew you. He can refresh you this morning. Amen? Pastor, I'm stuck. I'm, I'm still addicted. God can set anyone free. Amen? God is still the God of miracles today. And you see, maybe you're saying, Pastor, I'm being wooed by this stuff, but it feels so good. And I, but I, I don't want to do it. Let God help you overcome the world system. Amen? Would you close your eyes and just just bow your head just for the privacy of those around right now? Because the first thing is this. I've been talking about this Jesus. Jesus can set you free. And I can't let this service go by without asking that. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus and you want to give your life to Jesus. And you want to enter an eternal life. The Bible says, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And the Bible also says that if we confess with our mouth and believe with our hearts that we will be saved. Saved from the world. And maybe you've never done this with your eyes closed, your heads bowed. You've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, but you want to do this. You want to make Him the King of your life with your eyes closed, your heads bowed. And if that's you, you, you want to do this. Would you raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Okay? I see a couple of hands. Can you put your hands down? And let's all, everyone please repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know you're the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You don't come to condemn You come to set me free. I give my life to You. Forgive me of my sins. I repent. Fill me with Your love. Fill me with Your Spirit. Wash me with Your blood. Make me a new creature. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now the last thing, and I I do want to have an altar time. I want you to come down. I want you to respond to what God is saying this morning. I want you to come down to the front. If you're going to say, you know what? Pastor I blew it, but I want a new chance. I don't want to condemn anyone, but I want you to come down. I so I want a new chance. God will give you a new chance. Say, so you know what, Pastor? I want strength to draw this line in the sand because I'm being tempted. Come on down, if that's you. Say, so I want strength from God because I want to draw this line in the sand. No one's here to condemn you. We're all here as brothers and sisters that need help from God. Say, so you know what I need? Come on down. If you want me to pray with you, you want God's help. Come on to the front right and say, I need God's help to draw the line in the sand because I'm being tempted. I'm being pulled away. Come on down. Say, somebody say, i have blown it, man. I want, I want God to renew me. Come on down, come on down, come forward. See, you know what? I need strength because everyone's mocking me. They're making fun of me. They're laughing at me. They're making fun of my Christian walk, and I, I'm, I'm tired. I need help. If that's you, come on down. Come on down. You say, you know what, Pastor? Chen, I need help. Come on down. Somebody say, you know what? I need to establish some new guardrails in my life. Would you come down? and Say, I need God's help. Come on down. Come on down. Come on. There's more of you that need to come this morning. Maybe you've blown it. God can restore you. Maybe you say, you know what? I, I, I'm having a hard time fighting this temptation. I need God's help. Come on down. It could be it could be food. It could be finance. It could be drugs. It could be alcohol. It could be stuff you put in your lungs. It could be stuff that you're watching on the internet. It could be, it could be an inappropriate relationship. Come on down. I'm not here to judge you. I want us free today. I want God to set you free today. Don't leave this place without spending time with God. So you know what? I need Pastor Shane. I need God to help me establish God's us. Come on down. Come on down some of you say, Pastor, and I see the world is trying to pull me into their system and I don't want to be like them. I don't want to be a ba- Babylonian through and through. Come on down. I want to be a godly person. I don't want to be what my friends say. I want to be what God wants me to be. Come on down right now. Holy Spirit, moving us right now. Help my friends that are coming down and they, need, they want your help. They, we all need your help, God. The world system is pulling us away. It's drawing us away from you. Come on down if you want prayer. I want you to come on down. Father God, help us to establish good godly guardrails to protect us from the world system, to protect us from, from the things of this world that are come to destroy us. But Lord, You give us life and life more abundantly. Come on down as you're going to come down. I'm going to pray now. Please pray with us. Reach your hands out for your friends who are in the front. And pray with us. We want to be free, Lord God. We want to be free to serve. You want to be free. We want to be free so we can help our friends and neighbors that are in the ditch, our coworkers, our family that are in the ditch, because that's why you've set us apart. So when my brothers and sisters that came up, Lord, give them strength. If they've blown it, let them, Lord, be renewed today. If, if they're in the ditch, pull them out. Lord, if they just need help because they've crossed that guardrail, give them strength to draw a guardrail farther back. If they need help and they need accountability, let them find some people. If they say, I hear the world calling me, but I want to be like the world, let them have strength right now, God. Because you're calling the church to you, God. You're calling the whole church, not only in America, but every country, to not to be of this world. We're to be separate from the world. We can still enjoy the the blessings You give us, but we're not to be like the world. We're not to act like them. We're to act like and be like what You want us to be, God. And You want to move greatly in this church, but Father, we've got to get the world out of us. Because it's slowly, it's slowly, it's slowly pulling us away from You. And so, Lord, we denounce the world system. We denounce worldly ways, God. We don't care now if people are going to make fun of us. We don't care if we get fired because you're our provider, God. We're not going to take shortcuts. We're not going to cheat on reports. We're not going to lie to customers. We're not going to work a billion hours and let our family be destroyed because we're trying to get ahead. Lord God, we want to have guardrails to protect us today.